Amen. Can we put our hands together one more time? Come on, let's give the Lord a cheer. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I mean, the Bible says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted Jesus and given him a name above every other name. Come on, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Come on, in heaven and on the earth and on the earth and every tongue confess that what? Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let's just take a second and do that. Lord, we confess your lordship. We declare you are Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And every knee is going to bow at the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All right. What a beautiful, beautiful Sunday here in uh, north central Pennsylvania. And if you're not from this area, you need to come and visit because it's, it's beautiful. And uh, so we wanted to say hello to everybody. And I know there's a lot of people that are well watching. They're not able to be here today watching online. So we just want to say big God bless you. We miss you uh, being here. And uh, we're going to pass out money after the service. Sorry, you're not here. No, we're, we're not going to do that. And, uh, and um, it, it's, it's not a lie if you say amen afterwards. But anyways... <clears throat> So we, we just wanted to just uh, really just kind of extend just really our heart is just praying for people that and let you know we're praying if you're if you're not feeling well and if you have family members that are sick this morning we just believe in God for their healing amen how many believe in God for healing amen you know and a lot of times in this season one of the things I'm so thankful for is that the Lord has allowed us to believe God for healing amen and to see us walk in divine healing to test the Lord at His word. Amen. That there, but by his stripes, by his stripes, we've been healed. And so, you know, during this time, people have just really been uh, fearful or frustrated. But I believe it's kind of been a blessing in a sense because we're really allowing us to seek the Lord, isn't it? And really see his power uh, come in a real way. Amen. So I know that God, Lord, he loves to do that. How many know God loves to show off? How many know he's allowed to? <laughs> Amen. He, he loves to brag about himself. Amen. He said, I am the Lord. I'm the God of heaven. I'm the creator of heaven and earth. There's nothing too difficult for me. How many know it's okay if God brags on himself? Amen. Hallelujah. And so when we worship, we're bragging about him. That's what we're doing. We're boasting about how good he is. And we're telling him what he already knows about himself. Amen. He's God and we're not. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, I just want to encourage you this morning. I also want to encourage you, you know, that there's no scripture in the Bible that says thou shalt dance in church. Amen. Or only in church. I want you to encourage you, man. You need to get up on Monday and find a place in your home where you can dance or worship. Get on your knees and sing and, no, and no, you know, nobody can hear you. That's, that's good, isn't it? Amen. When you, you sing out a key and nobody's there to you know, bug you about it. Amen. But, you know, I believe that it makes worship so more, much more meaningful when you worship the Lord on your own by yourself. Come on. Amen. Instead of just waiting, well, I got to get to church to worship. I heard people say that. I, got, I can't wait to get to church to worship. Well, God can't wait till you wake up in the morning and worship. Amen. Amen. So we encourage you to continue to do that. It's always a good thing. Amen. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. I, I believe this morning, and I, I just want to share my heart, and I, I believe that we need to stand together as a church like never before. We've got to stand together. We've got to be together. We've got to stand together. We've got to be present in this culture, in this day, in this age. We can't be divided. We've got to walk together in love. And if there's ever a time in our culture, in our society, 
you know, I, I mean, that, I, that I'm aware of, it's got to be right now where we stand together as the church. Amen? I'm not going to ask that too many times, but, you know, um, amens. But, no, that's true. We need to stand together. And I want to just share my heart today about how we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, read this, we'll pray, and then we'll share. But it says this in verse 27, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, this is Paul talking to the church, the Christians there, or whether I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Lord, we thank you today that you brought us here. Lord, you have brought us more than just this church. You have brought us uh, together through Jesus, in Jesus Christ through your blood. I thank you, Lord, that we were all over the place. We came from different uh, backgrounds, different cultures, different races, different languages. And Lord, we are one in Jesus Christ because of the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we celebrate that today. We don't celebrate how different we are outside of you, Lord. We celebrate unity in Jesus Christ. I pray today that, Lord, we will become stronger uh, after today, but from this season on through you. Lord, I, I ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts that would put us in a place as the church that we would, Lord, come together. Come together as one. And so, Lord, I just pray that as I speak today, I, I ask that you would anoint my lips and anoint our ears to hear what you're saying, not what I'm saying, but what you're saying to the church today. And everybody said... Amen. You can turn me down a little bit out there and on the stage. But I believe that right now we need to really be careful that we're not being distracted as the church. And I also believe that we need to continue to build community. It's so important. Our fellowship in Jesus Christ is so important. It is absolutely essential in every believer's life that you are walking in fellowship with another believer. Does anybody agree with that? How many have ever have noticed that the effects of... Uh, not being with people and not being close fellowship of your life. It, it has tremendous negative effects, doesn't it? How I many know the Lord's never called us to walk alone? He's always called us to walk together. And He's called us to stand together as one. And this unity that we have in the Lord is so important. Someone said that until the church returns to God, the nation will never return to God. And I believe that the, the church has to keep our focus and our attention on the Lord. And we've got to do this together. We can't be divided in this day. We can't be separate and segregated on, 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 uh, on anything, on what we believe and who we are, whatever. We can't, we can't be divided in this hour at all. We can't tolerate division. I said we can't tolerate division in the body of Christ. just can't happen. We can't do it. This is so important that we stand together in the Lord. I believe we need to stand together as the church. We're not standing as a political party. We're standing as the church. How many know it's a lot different than a political party? Come on, when politics are all said and done, the church is still standing. Amen. When governments fall, the church is still standing. Amen. And it's going to be standing long after this world is gone. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Amen. That's a strong church. Come on, that's a strong church. Amen. How many know the Bible always refers to the church as a young bride? Engaged. She's getting ready to be married. She's engaged. Not some, some, uh, you know, some old you know, woman that can't even go up the stairs. Amen. I, I mean, some, no offense. But, 
I mean, it's, think about it. Why? Because that's the way our heart should be. We should be passionate for God, for His return, like someone that's getting ready to get married. Amen. And so that's the church. And so we, we're more than, uh, you know, we don't have just politics in, in uh, you know, in common or whatever. That's great if you do, but you know something? We got something way better than politics. We serve a King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible says that in of His government, increase of His government, there will be no end. Amen. I'm so thankful for that today. So I want to encourage you today, and this is what I want to talk to you about, is that how we stand together. We've got to be one in Jesus Christ. I think that we, it's important that we stand together in our culture. I believe that our culture needs to see us be one. Come on, if you're hating on other Christians and if you're talking negative about church, how many know the world will, will lift an eyebrow and say, I, think you're, I thought you were supposed to be a part of the church. Why are you criticizing the church? Didn't Jesus say that this is how people are going to know that we're His disciples because we have loved one to another? That's how the world measures how good of a Christian and how much Christianity works. How much love you have for other people. And I believe that we need to stand together in crisis. I think that it's important that, you know, whenever we go through a crisis as a nation, that how many know the enemy would love to see us divided? Right from the very beginning, he's always wanted to divide the people of God. Always, always wanted to divide. He started with Adam and Eve, that perfect union, and he's, he's continuing to try to divide the church. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, I'm praying for you because Satan wants you and he wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to separate you from the will of God. He wants to separate you from the purpose of God and the power of God. And Jesus said, I'm praying for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus is still praying for the church? Amen? Amen. And so we're a part of that today. I want to encourage you to be one in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. I'm going to read this out of the, uh, the King James, or as we say, the King Jesus version. Um, it depends on what side of the aisle you are. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, I, I love this scripture and I'm going to be in Ephesians a little bit. I have been uh, for the last several months. And I, I don't know why the Lord's just taken me there. But Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. It declares this about Jesus. Now he's specifically talking about. Let me give you a little background. He's specifically talking about Jews and Gentiles. But it applies to us as well. For he is our peace, Jesus, who hath made us both one. He made us one. He has broken down the middle of wall a partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that, or the the differences between us, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. That's talking about the Jewish law, specifically the ordinances of the Jewish law contained in the ordinances. For to make in himself of two becoming one new man. So he's taking the two and making them one, so making peace. And that, we might, and that he might, Jesus, reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, Thereby, he's making one new man. How many know he's made one new man in Jesus Christ? He took Jews and Gentiles and everybody in between, and he's made us one in Jesus Christ. One new man. Jesus prayed, Lord, make them one, to be speaking of his disciples. Many people said that this was the, the only unanswered prayer that's left from Jesus. But how many know it's not an unanswered prayer? It's actually an ongoing prayer for the church. Amen? Amen? Why do we know that? Because in Acts, the Bible says that they, were, they had such a close bond together, they became one. And we'll read in a little bit. So we know that that, that prayer was fulfilled, but it's an ongoing prayer. How many know Jesus still wants this from us? Amen. He's still praying for this and still desiring this, that we become one. 
That word there, becoming one, Jesus taught it. Peter taught it later when he writes it in Peter. And then we see that Paul taught it. Uh, in fact, he taught it in three separate letters to the churches in multiple times. So he talked about this, that we might be one. One heart, one mind, one soul, as the Bible says, is also, when he talks about this, is reflective of the Godhead in Jesus. That's how important it is. That's how important that our unity is because the Bible says just like you are one in Christ, you are one with one another. And just like that Jesus is one with the Father, so we are one with Him and we are one with another. Is that what the Bible says? So this is reflective of the Godhead which is in Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's how important it is. So let's look at another scripture here in Ephesians. Um, I'm not going to make it too hard on you to turn in your Bible or click on your device. Just go two more chapters in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We're going to start there. And of course, it's speaking of the church and it's speaking of, of our relationship to one another. And it talks about uh, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and then what happened after the cross. But it says this. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and, and pastors, and teachers... For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, come on, till we all, not a few, not a select few, not those who give more to the church. No, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Is that what the Bible says? Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. How many know we have our work cut out for us? Amen. Amen. And so God calls us into the ministry. God calls us into ministry that we can, the Bible says, to well-equip people for the work of the ministry to build up the church. That's why we're here today. And we're not here that you can feel good about yourself and do a religious exercise. We're here to strengthen you that you can strengthen other people. Amen. That's what we're here for. And so this is what it's about. And so he talks about it. And then he goes into this thing and he says... He says, this is the reason right here. Not to have church, not to put a, a big presentation on in, on Sunday morning to you know have a light show and all this other stuff to look good and do humanitarian works. He said, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Wow, isn't that amazing? Till we all come into the unity of the faith. It doesn't say till we all come into one opinion, till we all agree on the carpet colors, until we all you know are on the same political party page. No, it says till we all come into the unity of the faith. How many know the faith of Jesus Christ is more important than anything that we know in our culture today? It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's so important. That's why we're here, because we come into the unity of the faith. Amen. And so Ephesians, here in 4.12, I just want to look at this. And then, and then it says this in verse 3, okay? So earlier in verse 3 in chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, make every effort to guard the unity that the Spirit of God gives with your lives bound together in peace. Wow, how many know there's a, we need to make, take effort? I mean, you know, that's what he says. He says, make every effort to, to guard the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord brings unity. How many know the Spirit of the Lord doesn't divide people? He brings people together. The, the blood of Jesus saves us, amen, and the Holy Spirit brings us together, amen, unifies us in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to share some things about that. But anyways, I, I thought that was interesting how it talks about the unity of the Spirit. 
a lot of times, I, many times as I grew up, I got confused between, well, what's more important, having unity in the Spirit or unity in the faith? Maybe there's two different things. No, what he's saying here is that the Holy Spirit brings unity among believers. That's what we need to strive for so that we all come into the unity of the faith. Amen. And so this is what it's about. And so all Christians really is what he's t- uh, teaching here. All Christians are one in the Spirit. So it's important that it's really our duty and important that we recognize it and we act upon it. And, and then you go back and you look in verse 2. This is something he said. He said, forbearing one another in love. What does that mean? That word there means to stretch. I mean, no, it's a stretch to love some people. It's a stretch to keep the peace. It's uncomfortable to keep peace, isn't it, sometimes? But that's what he said. Make every effort. Stretch yourself. Go beyond your comfort zone to keep the unity that's in the Spirit. Amen. How many know we've got to do that as a church? Now, I know a lot of people say, yeah, we need to do that as a nation. Oh, we're totally divided. But he's also talking to a specific church. He's talking to the Ephesian church, and we've got to do that as the church. We have to do that. And so, how many know it starts with this local body, then the community of bodies, and then the national body and global body. So we work that way out. And so a lot of people say, well, yeah, as a nation, we're so messed up but they don't take responsibility for the church they belong to. Amen. And so I believe that we need to stretch ourselves and, and go out of our way and get out of our comfort zone. But in Ephesians chapter 5, he begins to talk about walking in the Spirit. I love that. Many people take that as floating in the Spirit. No, he's talking about walking in the Spirit. But you know something here about, if you, if you look at all the times in Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, that Paul talks about walking in the Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, it has everything to do with how you treat other people. It has everything to do with your ties with the church. Is that right? Come on. Moving in the gifts of the Spirit has everything to do with how much you love other people. How much you really want to see the church build up and not your personal talent and personal abilities and personal reputation. That's what it's about. And then he goes on and and, and the end here in Ephesians chapter 6, he just says this. he, He talks about spiritual warfare. Now everybody wants to walk in the Spirit and everybody wants to fight the devil and that's so important and we're, there's teachings on that. But I want to bring this into the context today, what we're sharing about. How many know you can't do warfare unless you're committed to unity? Amen. The Bible says that if you're, if you're not careful, you'll use your spiritual weapons on each other. And that's dangerous, isn't it? That's not good. But spiritual warfare has everything to do with how you're committed to unity. See, the first five chapters really in Ephesians are about unity. And they talk about it, even talking about the family unit and comparing it to our relationship with the Lord. And so he talks about all these things. And so how many know sometimes it's important that you're, you're fighting and other times you're, it's important to keep the peace? And so it's important that we're really seeing this. And I, I don't know if we see it any other time as an example but in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, it says this about the believers. It says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. In Acts chapter 4, it says all the believers were of one heart and one mind. I believe the King James says one soul. How many of that's pretty tight? That's, that's pretty close, isn't it? Amen. Not just a, hey, what's up, how was your week? I mean, these guys lived together. They were together all the time. The Bible says they were from that day on, they were together and they were cl- in close quarters. Amen. So when they got sick, everybody got sick, right? I mean, they were close, right? And so, I don't know if they were in masks, but they were close. And so all the believers were of one heart and one mind. But you know something? The book of Acts was written during a time when people were more divided than any other time in history. 
Did you know that? When Jesus came, the Jews were more divided than ever before. They were so against the Samaritans and absolutely against the Gentiles. And then you had the Pharisees and Sadducees and all these people. How many know they were so divided amongst themselves? And, and the book of Acts was written even during that time of Roman law and Roman, uh, you know, that first century Rome. Think about it. It was, it was not just amazing to see people together. It was astounding. It was so culturally shocking to see people who really cared about one another from other races, other colors, other languages. It was unbelievable. It blew their mind. That's why the Bible says when they saw all these people from all these nations speaking in one language, one language, it, they freaked out. It was like, this is crazy. We've never seen anything like this. How many know that's how close the church needs to be? Amen. We just need to be that close when people look and say, this is astounding. This is amazing. I can't believe how much these people care about each other. Amen. Come on. I, I really like this sermon um, that I heard few years ago by Tony Evans on racial reconciliation and, and peace in the church and unity in the church. It was so good. I love what he said. He said, we need more than a protest. We need a plan. The church should always have a plan for unity. We should always have a plan for peace. We should all have a plan for, amen, the, the recovery and the reconciliation of not just our neighborhoods, but of man, amen, of, of our nation. And I believe that the decay and really the division of our culture is this at its core as what he says, is it is a spiritual issue. How I many you know the division in our nation is a spiritual issue? Many people think, well, no, it's just a bunch of people fighting. It's just about politics. No, it's not. There is a spiritual issue involved. And so I believe since the, the cause is spiritual in nature, so really the cure has to be spiritual in nature as well. Amen. And so I believe that God's really made it clear. We're going to read some scriptures that the Bible makes it clear. It has to be the church has to function in biblical unity that the world will see really the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Nobody sees the uniqueness of Jesus Christ if you're living like everybody else. Amen? Right? So everybody's born an original, but most people die a cheap imitation. We, we're trying to be like somebody else. And in the church, we're so impressed with the world so impressed with them and so enamored with things in the world, we want to be like them. When the whole time God said, if you just get involved in me and get, come on, and take your identity in me, the world wants to see that uniqueness, amen. The world wants to be impressed with you, amen, and you, how much you love somebody. You know, this is, this is the time, if ever, we need to show true love in our culture right now. It'll blow people's mind how nice you are to people, Amen. See, Brother Matt, I wish you would talk about fighting the devil today and spiritual warfare and all this. Listen, we're talking about something real heavy today. Unity. We can't even get this together, right? We're trying to get it together, but it's hard. And so I believe that, that we have to see this because there is a spiritual uh, issue involved. It is a spiritual thing. It's not just people fighting over, you know, uh, you know what, what our city should be and how we should do, vote. and do. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. That's why some people, Christians, they scratch their head and they look at some Christians and say, why you get so involved in politics? Why are you so bent out of shape about who wins the presidency? Who cares? I'll tell you why they're bent out of shape. It's because it's a spiritual thing. They look at things because it is. You know, the leaders of our nation. How many know it's a spiritual thing? Paul said that we need to pray for our leaders of our nation because if, if it goes well with them, it goes well with us and the gospel can be preached. 
And that's why it's important. But how many know God's still going to move in America whether we have a Christian president, ungodly president, an atheist president, whether we have a president at all, whether we don't have any kind of government, God is still moving in his church. Amen. Amen. And so in John chapter 17 where Jesus prays prays this prayer, he says this in verse 22. He says, And the glory which you gave me, God, I gave them. I gave it to them that they may be one. How many know there's glory in unity? There's glory in unity. That's what you, people want. I want to sing worship songs and feel the glory. Why don't you get together with other Christians and you'll feel the glory. Amen. Come on. Even as we are one, Jesus said, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfect in one. Not perfect by themselves, but perfect in one. Perfect in Jesus. That the world might know or may know that you have sent me and has loved them and you love me. So there's everything to do with people seeing Jesus. The manifestation of the glory of God has everything to do with unity. Has everything to do with us coming together. Don't ever ride down the street and, and snicker or sneer at other churches. And think, well, you know, uh, you know, they don't have what we have. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is just absolutely arrogant, not the spirit of Jesus. I don't know about you, I'd take a moment and just pray for them. Pray for that church. Lord, thank you that there's a church in this city. And every time people walk by that building, they know and understand that there is a Savior, there's a cross, there's a, there's a hell, there's a heaven. Thank you, Lord, for a testimony of Jesus in the earth. Amen. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you that you're not really going to have church unity. We're not going to have church unity if you're hanging out with the same people who think like you do. I mean, no, that, that's not unity. Unity is when you got differences of opinions, difference of all kinds of differences, and you can come together and agree on one thing. How many know that's unity? And we come together and we agree through Jesus Christ on the gospel and the faith, as Paul said, of the gospel. Amen. So I believe that having the same heart really doesn't mean having the same color or skin color or language. We know that. We can see that. But it is about having the same heart. And, and that's a challenge, isn't it? It's just really a challenge. I'm going to share with you a few things in a moment about things that are really challenging uh, in that. And so I believe that as we're standing together as one, we need to stand together as one because we are one. Because we are one. We need to stand together. You know, Sometimes you don't want to stand with somebody, but how many know you need to say, I'm one with them in Christ, so I need to stand with them. Amen. I need to be in unity with them. I need to, I need to love them. Amen. And we talked about a family back in the spring, how uh, we love each other as a family. And so I believe it's important that we have unity. And I like what Brother Richard Hilton said years ago, I'll never forget it, how you, you spell unity is you and I tie. Amen. You'll get it. Spiritual phonics, you'll get it. So, you know, and so, and I love that because that's what it's about. Anyways, many, and here's what I began to, as you begin to see what the church is right now, and I begin to think about this, many people believe that the unity of the Spirit is too restrictive. They think that somehow it's not broad enough. It needs to be opened up a little bit. Unity of the Spirit's a little bit narrow. I think that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people feel that, well, you can't just base everything just on what's on the, in the Bible. You've got to go by people's hearts. You've got to, you know, we just got to love and tolerate just based on people's hearts. How many know that when the Bible says unity in the Spirit, it means unity in the Spirit? Yeah. When it says unity of the faith, it means unity of the faith. And, and Paul warned us about other 
gospels, other Christ, other faiths that are going to be preached. And people say, well, you can believe in all these other things, amen, but, but you can believe in Jesus too. How many know that's not what Paul talks about? Jesus doesn't preach that. And I honestly believe that Jesus wants us to be at peace with all men, but he didn't say anything about being in unity with all religions. Amen? He didn't speak anything about coexisting with all religions. Amen? He said that we need to be at peace with all men, strive for peace with all men, but he did not say that there's unity in all religions. Amen? I'll just make that clear. And see, our struggle in the church is when we limit our unity where God commands it and we extend our unity where God denies it. I mean, no, that's a struggle. That's where we get in trouble. That's where we say, oh God, we need to be unified with people you said we're not supposed to be unified with. Amen? How many know the, the importance of preaching the gospel is that people can be in unity with us? Is that right? And they can know the faith. And that's what Paul talks about, that we walk and we come to the place that everybody is, is knows Jesus Christ. So that's, that's what it's about. Anyway, so really I, I saw this uh, billboard years ago and, you know, how we need to celebrate diversity. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, the world celebrates diversity and humanity, but we celebrate unity in Jesus. How many know there's a difference? There's a difference. We celebrate unity in Jesus, and we need to do that. And I, I think the problem arises when truth is forced into union with error. When we try to force truth and error, it's not going to happen. How many know there's a problem there? When you get an error and you start going outside of what the Scriptures teach and say, well, actually, uh, you know, how many know we can't be more merciful than God? We're not going to go outside aside of what God's Word says. If the Bible says that this is way, the way you get to heaven... That's the way you get to heaven. I mean, no, you can't change what the Bible has already declared. Amen. You can't take away and you can't add to it. So why are we trying to extend, you know, the family where they're really not the family? The whole point is that they need to come through the door and they'll be part of the family. Amen. There was a billboard years ago, as, uh, as this one was up right next to it, said that, you know, I think it was a, uh, all men are brothers and the father is the, uh, you know, God is the father of us all. How many know that sounds good, but it doesn't work? You're only brothers and sisters in Christ through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is only your father when you're born again. Amen. So that's why we have this job as the church. That I'm here to encourage you, to equip you, that you can do the work of the ministry. Go out and tell people about Jesus that they can be converted. And then God can be their father and they can be part of the body of Christ. And then they can know true unity and true love and true uh, acceptance and all those things that the world preaches about. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I like this, and I'm gonna, it leads me into what I want to share, you, share with you about unities or the uh, enemies of unity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you or church splits, but that you be perfectly joined together. Real harmony, that's what he's talking about. In the same mind, in the same judgment. Now that's in the King James. But then he says this in other translation, it means this, it means the same mind, the same will, united in thought and purpose. How many know what's important for us as the body of Christ, right here at the Door of Fellowship, is that we have a shared purpose. Come on, that's why we, we take so many uh, lessons and we talk so much in the uh, new members class about our vision. It's not my idea, it's not necessarily our vision, but it's what God's given us for our church. 
Why? Because we have to have a shared purpose. It's important that you know we all come to that purpose and all come to that same mind and will of God. That we all come to that same unity and agreement. It's so important. Today this is so opposite and so uh, different, different of what people believe in the church. They don't believe that unity is important through what we believe. They think it's just in what you feel about God. How many know that it's, it's not about feeling, it's about truth? Amen? And so we've got to go there. We've got to start there. But I want to just go here and just say, as Paul teaches much, much, much about unity, he also talks a lot about enemies of unity. He warns the church a lot about what, what he called here divisions. Divisions in the body of Christ. Not divisions in society, not divisions in your, in just in your heart, but divisions specifically in the body of Christ among God's people. In James chapter 4, uh, James says this. He, he asks a question. He says, what causes fights and battles and quarrels among you? So why are you fighting? Why are you in turf battles and, and turf wars and, and struggling and fighting? And why are you, you arguing? He said, this is what he said. And he asked another question. He says, don't they come from your evil desires that are you're battling with inside of you? I mean, he's saying basically you're fighting with other people and really what it is is your selfish desires are fighting inside of you and now you're fighting with other people. He said you got to take care of your selfish desires and then take care of other people. So this is what he's saying, that there's fights and there's war. And we see this in the church and in, even in the book of Acts. And we see this in, in 1 Corinthians. So the lack of disagreement is not a, in a good church. It's not the lack of disagreement. It's how you work things out. It's how you move together in these things. It's how you talk about things and work things out. It's how you live together. Well, that person doesn't like what I like, so I'm leaving that church. I'm going to go find a church that likes what I like. I mean, no, that's, that's, that's not good, is it? And we teach this in the, uh, it's in the first class of our growth track. We talk about, our second class, it talks about leaving in a church right. How many know it's important to leave a church right? Yeah, it's in, how many know it's important to join a church right? You've got to join it right. And that's what we want to do. But we also encourage people to leave a church right. To leave it in a good, good spirit. And to leave it, you may not leave it in a perfect way, but how many know you can leave it in a good way? You can leave it in a, in a blessed way. Amen. And so we encourage people to do that. Why? Because the Bible really is clear about divisions in the body of Christ. And so, uh, you know, in the, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that God is against those who sow discord among brethren, who purposely, with intent, Try to break people up. Is there actual people like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul taught us to oppose division. That we need to stand against it in the church. He said even mark those people. Make note of people who do that in the church. That's, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? But that's Paul. And we need to do that. And so he says mark them. Don't fellowship with them. He said pray for them. Love on them. Be merciful to them. But don't fellowship with them because that spirit's going to get all over you. And then he said, strongly admonish them. You strongly admonish people who are causing division and fighting with other Christians. Strongly admonish them. And how many know you never win a, an argument on Facebook? If there's anybody that's ever won a good argument on Facebook, I'd like to meet you and, and, and learn your secrets. You need to write a book because it'll be a New York Times bestseller. It, it, I don't know. But, but how many know there's just times that you do need to say something to somebody? And whether you win the art, it's not about winning it. And whether they hear you or don't, and whether they, they, they blast you back, and it doesn't matter. Some people need to be admonished strongly and said, look, 
you know, I, I know you've been hurt, and I understand that we've, we've all have grievances, but you're taking this too far. And I just ask you to pray about what you're saying a little bit more. Amen. So, however you want to say that, I don't know. Don't say Pastor Matt said to say this. I've already got enough people on there. Anyway, so, but you know, there's most people, I mean, think about people, people that are causing division are doing it intentionally. You don't just accidentally cause division. You do it intentionally. And most of the time it's in the form of attacking a person or a church body or a particular uh, church, a particular church body. Sometimes it's in overall Christianity. Most of the time it's in a person. Um, you know, and it's also with a well-thought-out justification with a Bible reference on the side. You ever notice that? Well, I'm doing it because we got to speak up against false prophets. Speaking of that... People that call other people out and call them false prophets. How many, how many know they never consider themselves true prophets? They call everybody else a false prophet, but they don't even consider themselves a true prophet. Well, no. In fact, they don't even, uh, a lot of the people that really are against, you know, and criticizing the church real heavy, they're not even, they don't even want to equate themselves to ministry. Oh, no, I'm not in the ministry. Don't call me a pastor. Nope, nope. No, I would never be in the ministry. But you've got a ministry of judgment. You've got a ministry of calling people out. You've got a ministry of saying everybody's a heretic that doesn't believe the way you believe. And just because you had a couple bumps in the road at your last church doesn't make everybody a Pharisee. All right, And so I, that's what I've noticed. And I, I believe that if you're going to stand in the place of judgment, you need to stand in the place of accountability. Amen. And so why is it that, you know, also I've noticed is that, you know, people that if you're going to call others out, you're going to call out other people and call out this and call out that and, and read their books and, and listen to their sermons and, and hate on churches. Listen, if you're going to call out others, make sure there's nothing in your life that needs to be called out. Is that what Jesus taught us? This, you need to show mercy to other people because there's a time in your life that you're going to need mercy. Amen? Be graceful in what you say. Deal with people gracefully because there's a day that you're going to need some grace. Amen? There may be some things in your life that you're hypocritical about. There might be some her heresy going on in there somewhere. Amen? And it's funny how the moment you, you get on that nerve, you, they shut you down. Anyways, but take that post off or whatever. But it's just interesting. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 to 32. I didn't see this until recently put it together and equate it with unity. I never saw this. When he talks about unity, uh, and I'm going to go through this quickly. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 to 32, he literally talks about the enemies of unity. Never saw it before. But as I read this and I said, this is good because he gives us instructions about unity in the form of enemies. The enemies of unity. Things that would break us apart and then what to do about it. And some of this applies to us in today and, or right now and some of us does. But the, look in verse 25. Look what he says. He says, so discard, I'm reading most of this out of the living. So discard every form of dishonesty. Whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truth, spreading rumors, any, such, any, any one of these things. In fact, one translation calls it falsehood. Falsehood. Don't be false with one another. It says don't lie to one another. Stop lying to one another. So that you will be known as one who always speaks the truth. For he, uh, we are parts of one another. And when we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. So lying is something that's an enemy of unity. Dishonesty is a form of, of 
of really of hurting uh, unity and breaking it apart. It's, it's really a form of division. Gossip goes in there, and he talks about gossip and slander and things like that over and over again because gossip destroys safety. Gossip destroys the safety of relationship between two people. Completely destroys it. And then he goes in, and, and I preached a whole message on this, and it's crazy, but we don't even use this word anymore, being a busybody. I mean, think about it. You know, people that get involved in other people's business just because they want to. Just because they love getting in other people's business. They love telling your business to other people, and then they tell their business back to your, you, and so that both of you don't know each other's business, but you... You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is what they want. And, and, and they love a good fight. How many know there's some people just love to fight? I mean, their marriage isn't good until they can fight. I know people like this. Something's wrong. We haven't had a fight in a while. I'm serious. I mean, they just, they just love a fight. Now, I believe as a Christian, we need to have a love for a good spiritual fight, but not a good natural fight, right? Amen. And so they love that. And so, these, you know, being honest, I'm thinking about being honest. What is that? That's being transparent. That's being open. Uh, unity is built on trust, and when you lie to other people, you dis- it erodes trust. When you gossip about other people, when you slander, when you're a busybody, you get in other people's business, you love rumors, you love all these things. This is what Paul's talking about. You destroy trust, which destroys unity. Look at this one. He says this. He says in verse 26, he says this. He says, stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry people. I mean, no, that's... Fits a lot of us. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down until when you're still angry. Get over it quickly. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge. Not even for one single day. Verse 27, don't give the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. For when you are angry, you give the, the devil a mighty foothold in your life. It's an open invitation for attack. It all comes through anger. Isn't that amazing? Quarreling, verse 31, I tied it in with this one because he says it again. Quarreling, harsh words, revenge, harboring resentment, cultivating bitterness, fault finding, and slander. All these things, insults to other people, have no place in our lives, is what Paul says. Wow. And so how many know when it comes to in the church, unresolved disagreements stop spiritual growth? They stop spiritual growth for you, the individual, and the church, and they stop the advancement of your prayers. Did you know that? They hinder your prayers. When there's unresolved disagreements, and I'm not talking about whether you like yellow and they like blue. I'm talking about things that are sharp. I mean, there, there's things that are just unresolved, and it's hateful words were spoken. Things were, were, were done that hurt other people. Um, you know, these are what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of people think, and I've heard it before, you know, anger, it, and, and I love this. I, I think I've only found it once mentioned in the Bible. I see other examples of it, but this, you know, people say, well, I wasn't angry. I was just had a righteous indignation. Now, you cursed at that lady when she cut you off. That's anger. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I, I know somebody that rebuked everybody. You know, somebody in the grocery store, just, you know, cut them off or got in front of the lines. I just rebuked that spirit of rudeness. You know what I'm saying? He, no. Anyways. And so, you know, how many know anger is not a spiritual strength? People think, well, the more angry you are, the more spiritual you are. No, you just have a bigger problem. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. But he warns us that this is a... How many know anger is really, as he's saying here, is an enemy of unity? And this is what he says, so be careful. And the third thing that he brings out here is in verse 28. Now this one I thought was a little bit different. 
But he, he says this, he says, if anyone is stealing, he must stop it and begin using those hands uh, of his for honest work so he can give to others in need. Now, I didn't see anybody put in a little money and then take a bunch out during offering. That would be stealing. I didn't see that. So what is this? How does this apply to us today? But I believe that uh, some of these translations that I read, they, they lean towards um, stealing before you were saved. So he could say this. If you were a thief before you were born again, he said stop stealing now that you're saved. Now you need to work hard and give to other people. How many know when you're a, a taker, you can't be a giver? And God wants to break this in our culture, in our society, and even in the church. If people just take, 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 take. Amen. We open our doors to feed people. Those who are in need. We have clothes. We have this. We have that. We really have a heart to give to people. And sure enough, who's at the front of the line? People that don't need help. People that take too much. Their closet's already full. Their you know, cupboards are already full. They're going to that one. They're going to this ministry. They're going to this one. They're going to the store. And they're complaining that they can't have more. I mean, no, this, this just really erodes giving and charity and generosity. I mean, it totally is bad. So this is what he's talking about. Taking from others without the intention of helping someone else. You're just taking from people. You know, I mean, all Christians love free stuff. But, I mean, it gets, he's saying this is out of hand. I mean, it, we're not talking about, you know, like a free meal. We're talking about you're stealing. You're taking from people. I mean, it's abusing the generosity of others. I mean, you're going to go and you're going to, you know, cry on that woman's shoulder at church because she, you know that she's going to give you 20 bucks. Or she's helped other people in the church and so you go to her and she's going to help you. And I'm going to know that's abusing the generosity of other people. Amen. I think of it this way. Living in a beggar's reality with an entitlement mentality. That's what he's talking about. Living behind a false charity he's talking about. Alright, and then he goes on and he says your words. So, we've got to hurry here, but the, the things that are enemies of unity, your words, negative words. And in verse 29, he says, And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. And, and in one translation, it says cursing. Don't ever let cursing come out of your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts, constructive things that encourage others. Say only what is good and helpful to those who you are talking to and what will give them a blessing. How many know that we need to do this and practice this every Sunday? So that when you go out into the world, you can encourage other people. You can say good things. And, 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 and that's what it's about. Paul refers to this as evil or corrupt communication. He said, don't let any corrupt communication ever come out of your mouth. Galatians 5.14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be, destroy each other. That's what he says. And so walk by the Spirit. This is, this is, this is, this is in Galatians 5.16. He just said, don't, don't, don't treat each other nasty because you're going to bite and devour one another. And what does he say? Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm telling you, it has everything to do with how we walk in unity with each other. And so I believe that really, as he says here, the bite and devour, just throw this out. I believe the only time that you really should bite and devour is a meal with another Christian. Okay, let's go there. So... I do that a lot. So I think that it's important that we, we don't, because the Bible says, you know, you don't, you don't understand it. You think that you're doing God a service and pointing out all the, you know, all these things. Well, I'm just being led by the Spirit and telling you what you need to hear, sister. It doesn't feel comfortable. Well, just take a breath and let them tell you what you don't want to hear. Amen. All right. 
And, and I know, uh, anyways. So, so, and I believe that we need to have purposeful encouragement. Purposeful encouragement. Can I just encourage you today that something doesn't have to be wrong with someone to pray for them? Do you ever notice that? Brother, what's wrong? I'm praying for you. Something's wrong in your life. No, nothing's wrong. Just pray for me. How many know what I'm talking about? There's all those people looking for something wrong. I feel something wrong in your life. Well, I'm seeing something wrong in your life. Okay? There's something wrong here. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know? Just say, go up to somebody and say, man, I'm praying for you. There's nothing wrong. I didn't say anything. I mean, you know. No, I'm just praying for you. I'm praying for more money for you. Don't pray. I'm praying the sin gets out of you. No. Come on, pray. I'm praying for more blessing for your kids. I'm praying for safety, for success for your family. Now, they won't trust you for the first seven Sundays, but it's okay. Keep at it. Amen. And then he says this, last two things, I promise. He says this in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, again, this is about unity. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way you live or take for granted the holy influence in your life. Remember, the Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So the Bible says day of redemption, the full salvation. Now, now look at this. Never grieve the Spirit of God. This is what it says. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now in the Greek, it says don't grieve. But in the Aramaic, it says do not limit His scope. And in this translation, it means both of, both of those concepts. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't limit the Holy Spirit. Think about it. So when you, when you complain about other people and you give up hope on them and you talk, I mean, what you're doing is you're grieving the Holy Spirit because you're not giving the scope, full scope of what the Spirit of God can do in their life. Amen. Always promote the unity of the Spirit. And the last thing he encourages us and says here about the enemy of unity, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness or lack of forgiveness is an enemy. Forgiveness is a solution. Verse 32, instead, be kind to each other, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another. If God graciously forgiven you, has forgiven you, then graciously forgive one another, readily and freely in the depths of Jesus' love. Think about it. How many know when it comes to unforgiveness? A lot of people wallow in self-pity, and, and it keeps unforgiveness going in their life. You know, self-pity is no cover-up for unforgiveness. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on, you were saying amen a second ago. And so, really, the spirit of unity is a heart issue. It's not a matter of church affiliation. It's a heart issue, and this is what Paul is talking about here. And just like a marriage, when Jesus declared it, and from the very beginning it was said, you know, what God has joined together, let no man divide you. How many know that counts for the church, too? What God has brought together... Don't let anybody divide you. Don't let anybody bring asunder. If somebody is talking against the church, listen, find out what's going on in their life. Why are you so against the church? You're supposed to be a part of it. You're supposed to be a member of the church. Why would you speak against it? Why would you talk about it? Why would you be so hateful for people that, listen, they're, they're, they may just don't know any better. Why are you so hateful? I believe that we need to move in forgiveness and walk in forgiveness. And we could say so much about this, but this is what he says, that if we're unforgiving towards one another, this is an enemy of unity. It, it breaks unity apart. It, it, it erodes unity in a church faster than anything else when people don't forgive. When they just stay wrong by each other and, and they're misunderstanding. I, I would say that so much of 
people's disagreements in church is really misunderstanding. I just, I thought that you said, well, I, I didn't know, but I thought, well, I should have talked to you. I, there's so many things in the church that we just got to move in forgiveness. How many know what I'm talking about? But we've got to stand together. Amen. Let's do that right now. Let's stand together. I want to share a couple things, and hopefully this makes sense. But I'm telling you right now, if there's ever a time that I think the church needs to stand together, is right now. You can vote for whoever you want to, and I'm not talking about that, but there are some issues on, on, the, on the table that we've got to stand together on. We've got to stand together. Amen. You know why? We've got to stand together because we are together. We are one. We stand together as one because we are one in Christ. The moment we stop recognizing that, the moment we stop keeping that in our minds, that we're one in Christ, is the moment that we ourselves have in danger of getting in error, getting off and getting deceived and, come on, and getting in a place that's not good. And so I believe that we need to stand together as a church. I believe that we need to stand together in our culture and our crisis. You know, someone told a story uh, a couple years ago. I thought it was so good. How many have ever worked around those big Belgium horses, those big work horses? Anybody? I guess we're all city people. Okay. I tried to ride one. Not good. I didn't know where the saddle, how it went on there, but I fell off and I learned a lesson. But they're huge, and these are the workhorses. But you know these big workhorses alone, just one of these workhorses, they say average workhorses can pull up to 8,000 pounds. 8,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight, isn't it? 8,000 pounds. I mean, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a car. But, you know, then when they're harnessed together with an unfamiliar horse, if you just took two separate Belgium horses, they could do up to about 20,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight. But two horses, two Belgium horses that actually have been raised together can lift almost double of that, almost 34,000 pounds. They can pull together because they're familiar with each other. They work together. They live together. And I believe that that's what, I'm not calling you horse, but I'm just saying this is what the Lord, the picture. That's why the Bible says we're joined together and joined with Christ. Amen. We're yoked together. That's why the Bible says don't become yoked with unbelievers, but yoked together with believers because you can do so much more. We can get so much more accomplished. We can see so much more in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our cities if we'll work together with the people that we live together with. Amen. So that's what the book of Acts was teaching us. and talking. So I wanted to just talk to you today about unity. And I wanted to just bring this out because I feel that we're so divided as a culture. How many know that spirit cannot get into the church? How many know we're of another spirit? I said we're of another spirit. We're of the spirit of God which joins people together. Amen. We're of the spirit of love and unity, not of division and hate. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you that we're stronger together. And here's what we can do. Any means of communication, we need to do that together. Throw somebody a text in church. Throw somebody an email or write on their, you know, I am, just, just throw them a message. Hey, God bless you today. I'm praying for you. Have a great week. Well, I don't know that person. You go to church. You're in Christ. You know them, right? But, you know, by all means, use the communication that we have. You know, there's so many people, even in this church, they'll just throw me a text. Love you. Praying for you. God bless you. That is amazing. I mean, that, that's, more, that's worth more to my wife and I that people just do that for no reason than anything else. I mean, it just makes us feel incredible. And so do that. And how about visit and fellowship with one another? Pray together. 
work together. Well, I guess I'm not on the intercessory prayer team, so I really don't know. You can call anybody up, talk to anybody, and just say, let's pray about something together. I mean, no, if you're talking out in the parking lot, I know some of you guys have a really a coffee-fueled sermon going on about politics. Why don't you guys just join together in prayer before you're done? Amen? Come on, you guys are talking about how your kids are doing in school or sports and oh this and that and everything. Let's just, let's just pray together about it. I'm telling you, the, the church is changing. The church is changing. Amen. And God's getting us out of this box. And he's saying, look, you've got to go out a little bit bigger. And you've got to you know, kind of expand your scope and understand that God's doing something amazing in our culture through everything we're going through. I, I appreciate Brother... Andy Elms, Pastor Andy Elms from Family Church in Portsmouth, England. He emailed me this week and he, he said, look, I just finished my new book and it's about really uh, outreach and, and really kind of getting on this curve of what God wants to do in this next year. And he said, can I, can I send you some copies? I said, absolutely. So I pre-ordered some. And I said, Brother Andy, I, we got to get on, on at the church. we got to get a hold of what God's doing. And we got to get on the forefront of what God's doing. Amen in our culture. Can anybody say amen? And how many know what God's doing in our culture isn't about hate, it's not about division, it's about unity, it's about power, the power of God. Come on, it's about healing, it's about revival, it's about nations coming together and seeking the Lord. Amen. So that's what the Lord is doing. So I want to encourage you today to stand together as one. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that your word is just full of this message right here. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's not a lot, of, it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles to it, but Lord... It's just the gospel. It's where we live, God. We, we've got to see unity in the church like never before, God. And Lord, you have already opened up our hearts to people in this city. I pray that we would continue, Lord, to open our hearts, Lord, myself and the leadership team, Lord, to other churches and other ministries that, Lord, you've given us a vision at the OC and the River Valley Mission that has everything to do with working with other Christians in this city, Lord. And we're excited about that, Lord, and we look forward to that. But right now, we open our hearts to each other. Lord, we want to. some of us want to go across the seas, but we've got to go across the, the aisles, Lord, today. I pray, Lord, that we would have more unity and more compassion for one another, that we would know each other's needs, and we wouldn't have to call the church office and say, hey, this person has a need. We would know it, and you'd give us the resources to meet that need, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would make us one in Jesus like never before so that you could be glorified and the gospel can be published and many, many people can be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.